I attempted suicide at the age of 17. I've never told anybody that. Not my family, not my friends, nobody. Please note that this episode contains topics of suicide and sexual abuse. Some people may find it disturbing. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves and others. You know, those deep, dark secrets you probably want to take to your grave or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Hannah. Now, Hannah, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret? My secret is that I attempted suicide at the age of 17. And so I have never told anybody that. Not my family, not my friends, nobody. Wow. Kept it in my heart. Yeah, that, that's that got to be, you know, that moment when you're so low and you see no other way out. I've had a moment yeah. like that where I was driving in the car and I was in so much pain. I was like, what if I just run my car right into the median and you I, know and I always thought I, I never up until that point I had never thought about it when I was younger mm-hmm. but I did think what if I wasn't here yeah like would anybody even even when I was younger I can remember thinking that like would anybody even care and wow. I would like want to see my own funeral is that weird no that's like, not I would weird know who would come like who would come to it who would actually say like if I was gone I want to see who would come and what they would say Yeah. Yeah. Like when they're up at the stand, they're like, she was a light and a joy or, you know, whatever people, people say about other people when they pass away, they always bring up the good things about it, about people. I literally have thought that when I was younger too, I thought I was the only one. So I wonder if it's a very normal thing to think about Mm -hmm. your funeral and who would be there. And if anyone would show up or care, but I, in my Mm -hmm. book, I write all these funeral fantasy so it's so Mm -hmm. funny that you bring that up and but so you were 17 can you tell us what Mm -hmm. was happening in your life that made you make that decision yeah um when I was 15 um my mom passed away Mm -hmm. she passed away she committed suicide that's (gasps) how she passed really yeah yeah she um she overdosed on multiple medications Uh uh-huh my dad isn't in my life. He is lives in another state. I couldn't tell you even what his middle name is or when his birthday is because I don't know. Have you ever um, met him? I have. Um, the first time I ever met him was at my mom's funeral, actually. Oh, wow. And he, he came up to me and he was like giving me a hug. And, you know, you meet strangers at funerals from people that you haven't seen probably in years. Yeah. And I was like, you know, he gave me a hug and he's like, and I looked at him, I guess, kind of weird. Cause mm-hmm. he was like, do you know who I am? And I was like, 
no. I was like, maybe give me your name. Maybe it'll jog my memory. And he was like, oh, I'm your dad. And I was like, oh, Okay. Like it was so awkward. Oh it my God. I don't even know what yeah. I would do. I'd probably be like, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, this is the time you choose to come back in mm-hmm. is the weird, weird timing. But yeah, so that happened. And so wait, 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 wait. don't skip over that. So wait a minute, your mom overdosed, right? Mm-hmm. And then your dad that you never knew existed showed up. Right. How, how has your relationship developed or would that was it after that um, moment it did slightly when mm-hmm. I was um I guess it was a few months after the funeral he mm-hmm. reached out he had reached out to me if you need anything want to talk and I was like okay that's great like that's fine so I would reach out to him and he wouldn't reach back out so oh. it's just like I'm like why'd you even say that you were oh. going to be there if you're not and I so hate that, those types of know, people, those unavailable people that yeah. act like they're available and then they ghost you, you know, it's just the worst. Yeah. And so I had went to a couple of Thanksgivings on, on his side of the family, but it was just, it was awkward and it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what I thought it was going to be either because I never had a relationship with him. So I guess I had in my mind, like, we're going to be so close and we're going to be like, my uh, daughter and dad and we're gonna go do stuff together and like all that greatness that you see dads and daughters doing yeah <laughs> yeah and it wasn't and I was like this is not what I thought it was gonna be I'm very disappointed in this that's the thing when we have expectations they're usually disappointed right. you know we can't have expectations on people but as a child yeah. you just want to believe that the people that brought you into the world and created mm-hmm. you are going right. to be there for you Right. And then I was also, it kind of was like my mom had passed away mm-hmm. and then he kind of went out of my life too. So I was like, what the heck? Like, so abandonment, just pure right. abandonment all around. And you start to self doubt. Like I asked him, I was like, is it, did I do something mm-hmm. to like make you not, I'm, I'm his only daughter as far as I know. Right. Um, and I was like, did I do something to make you like upset with me or not want to have anything to do with me. And he just still never, I never got an answer to wow. as to why he is the way he is. He just doesn't have that capacity, it seems. No. And I was like, where's the compassion at for your daughter? And it's just like blows my mind. Yeah. I don't understand it either. I just feel like sometimes people are so closed that they just cannot open themselves up. That's what I tell myself because I had moments of that, but it's still, it's so painful when a parent rejects you. Right. So that's where you were before. I just want to ask one more question about your mom, Mm -hmm. if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Well, two questions. What okay. what did she overdose on? And then the other question, were you guys close? Yes, we were very, very close. Very, mm-hmm. very, very close. Extremely close. Like I felt like we were more friends because she was very lenient with like rules, I guess. I never really had rules. Oh, geez. I never really got disciplined, I guess you could say. Um, never How was got that grounded. Growing, growing up? Well, when I was younger... Like maybe like eight, nine, 10 years old. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like my mom is so cool. This is great. And I felt like other people's parents were like kind of more stricter. And I was like, oh, I hate that. Like I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And so, but then as I got older into like middle school and high school, it started to be 
my house was the house everybody wanted to go to because we didn't have rules at our house and they had rules at their house. And as far as her overdose, she on the death certificate, it had stated multiple prescriptions. Mm -hmm. So it didn't actually say like one specific prescription, but she did work in the medical field. So I'm at a a private practice office as um, a nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that's how she got a hold of that um, medication is yeah. because she did work in that field and had access to it um, freely, pretty much. Does addiction run in your family? It does. Okay. It does. Yeah, my, it runs in dad, mine too. It runs in mine Yeah, too. my dad <laughs> is, as far as I know, is from what my mom has told me. Everything I know about my dad is from what my mom's told me. Yeah. Um, that he was a drug addict and that's why she ended up divorcing him when I was two years old because she didn't want me around that didn't want me in that situation to where I could get be in any kind of trouble or get harmed or get hurt anything like that with that I just you know I never had any visitation with him either she just was like he's a bad person you don't need to be around him he's no good so and she left it at that and I believed her and I was like okay I mean I don't know why you would lie to me so yeah, my dad sucks. I mean, that's just pretty much, you know, how that well, it's not If he was an addict, then that makes sense to me why he was incapable to show up mm-hmm. because addicts, you know, I am one and we're the most selfish and self-seeking mm-hmm. and we're closed off emotionally most of the time. So that makes right. sense. But did addiction or anything run in your mom's side of the family? Um, Her dad was um, an alcoholic. Mm. Um, He was very um, physically abusive towards her when she was younger. Yeah. Um, Never really around, always just out going to bars and coming home, just trashed pretty much and just not being a parent. Yeah. And so I'm I'm assuming that I think that she had an addiction. I mean, because I was so young. Yeah. But now that I'm older, I can like, I remember things like, in the past and it like makes sense to me now I'm like oh like what yeah. can you can you if some because if someone else is listening out there and they have a parent they don't completely understand and like oh my god my parent does that like what were the things that you look back now and say oh she was sick she wasn't well I didn't see it then but I see it now yeah so she would just be in these horrible moods just mm. like anything I would do would like send her over the edge like a rager and- Right. Yeah. And then she would leave. I mean, I had a step, I had my stepdad that, um, she ultimately ended up marrying, but she would leave and then come back and be Mm -hmm. gone for a few hours and come back. And she was like a totally different person. Interesting. So I'm like thinking she went and did drugs, pills, whatever she did, and then came back and she was fine. Like she, you know how, when you're like withdrawing, I guess you get kind of antsy or you're, Oh yeah. you get get kind of frustrated and like everything. Anxious. You just want to yeah. kill somebody. You want to kill yes, yourself. Like, you want to not be on this planet. Yeah. You want to rage at anybody because hurt people hurt people. So if she's right. like coming out of that and hiding all that emotion, she's mm-hmm. like, Rah. yeah. And so I was like, oh, maybe she just need to take a minute and drive and you know come back because I do that sometimes when I'm yeah. upset. I just need to get out of yeah. that situation, go take a breather, and come back. Um, but also today, I think that she was leaving to go either buy drugs, do drugs because she was coming off of them yeah, or just having a craving, I guess you could say. Right. So, and also she would be very fidgety 
sometimes or just like really zoned out. I don't know. She just, I could tell she would just act not herself. Yeah. So it was like almost like up and down waves. Like you didn't know what you were going to, so you're walking on eggshells as a kid. Like you don't know what's coming. Right. And I would just do, and I think that's where my people pleasing comes (laughs) in. I'm a people pleaser and I, I I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, but I would always just try to be. (laughs) It's a bad and a good thing, but let's lean more towards bad. (laughs) And so I was the only child. And so I would just try to be the most perfect child I could be. Perfect grades, perfect attitude, try not to talk back, do chores, keep my room clean, just so I could make her happy. Because when she would not be happy, it was not like not a good place to be at all. And that's hard to sustain as a child, that perfectionism, trying to not ruffle, ruffle the environment. And that's kind of where before, like I said, like we had a good relationship most of the time, like we were friends, but then when it was good, it was good, really good. But when it was bad, it was really bad, really bad with her mood swings, I guess. Do you think... I'm going to ask this and you can say yes or no. Cause when I was looking back at my life, especially going through everything I went through that when you have a a relationship up and down, like they're everything to you and then it turns Mm -hmm. hot and cold, hot and cold. Mm -hmm. Do you think that was a little bit of a emotional incest where it's like, you're too enmeshed with them? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I've had other family members such as my aunt, which is my mom's sister and my grandma um both say that about me like me and my mom yeah in the past that she it was almost smothering I mm-hmm. felt sometimes smothered um and they could tell that and she would hold me over their head if they made her upset that she's like oh well you're not gonna see Hannah so you better not do that kind of wow. like manipulation I guess you could say to yeah. make them do what she wanted to do or go where she wanted to go or, you know, whatever. Yeah. They're like, well, you're not going to see Hannah. You're not going to see your granddaughter. You're not going to see your niece. If you don't do what I say, pretty much controlling. Yeah. That's the word controlling. Controlling. Yes. Yes. So I get it as a parent, it's a really hard job. And then to be with a parent that the energy is coming from the child to the parent instead of the parent Mm -hmm. to the child, Right? you know, you love them. Like you love your mother. I love my parents, but we're allowed to have these truths come out. So when she committed suicide, were you confused? Were you like what happened or did you see it coming? So... What I know what led up to the suicide. Um, I was 15. I got my very, very first boyfriend ever, serious boyfriend. I guess you could say, like, I could go off with he was 16. I was 15. He had a truck. I live in the South, so you know. <laughs> I'm from the South. I get I'm, it. The truck, like, I get it. I'm like, oh, you got a big, a big truck. Like, oh my gosh, I was thought I was. Sign me love. up. I'll go. <laughs> yeah. So um my mom was super obsessed with him and us to just us, I guess, as a couple and just me being in a relationship, like just obsessed with it, asking me questions all the time about him. And like, just, I don't know. I was like, okay, maybe she just wants to know the guy I'm dating. Cause she's being a protective mom, which is fine. I get that. What did end up happening is I went to church camp for the summer, which I did every summer, every year I've gone to church camp up until this happened. Okay. Um, I, I came back. 
from church camp and my aunt picked me up and I was like, where's my mom? Why are you picking me up? She's like, I'll tell you when we get home. And I was like, okay, whatever. So we got home and she sat me down and she told me, Hannah, your mom's in jail. I was like, jail. I said, jail. I was like, what happened? I said, what happened? I was like, this has to be a mistake. Um, and she actually went to jail for um, child molestation and statutory rape of a 16 year old boy who was my boyfriend at no. the time. Yeah. So wow. I was like, wow, she was, was really like, broken. She was very, really broken. And she did that to you. Yeah. Ouch. And I was just like, and my aunt's like, she told me, she's like, do you want to go see her? And I said, no. No. no, I was very mad. I was, dude, mad. I would be like Ugh. wanting to commit murder mad. I yeah, get that. I was like, <sighs> wow. I mean, first of all, it's worse getting cheated on, but second, by your own mother, by my mom. Yeah, I was wow. like, what? What is this? <laughs> I was just like, this has to be like, I have to be dreaming. This has to be like, this has to be a amazing. lifetime movie going on. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so I was upset, and that was in June. Mm -hmm. of 2012 which is actually coming up that's weird that's so (laughs) Um, weird her her past date is July 21st of 2012 so June and July are really hard for me yeah um but anyways you know I my aunt always asked me do you want to see your mom I said no she never forced me Mm -hmm. um and so sorry um she never forced me um she would call and I wouldn't answer. Okay. My aunt's like, do you want to talk to her? And I'm like, no, I don't. So um, I actually ended up going and seeing her because my grandma was like, you need to go see your mom. And I was like, I don't want to. She's like, you need to go see your mom. You need to be the bigger person. And I was oh. like, okay. And I was like, okay, whatever, fine. I said, like, but I'm not going to be nice. I don't have to do that. I don't have to be nice. Right. I can be civil because she's my mom, but I don't have to be nice. So I went and it was so hard like because at the jail here it's not like you see on tv where you're like sitting in front of them like at a tv I mean at a table yeah like it's over like a skype kind of like we are now it's over like a monitor type thing right so she was like being really nice and I was like where are you what is wrong with you I said that to her I was like what is wrong with you yeah you I was like, what is going on? She's like, it's not what you think. The whole spew, it's not what you think. It's not true. I said, then what is the truth? Mm -hmm. I said, I want to hear it from you. If this isn't the truth, then tell me what the truth is. And she couldn't. She's like, I can't explain it. I was like, because you're lying. That's why you can't explain it because you're lying to me right now. Do you even know how it happened? Did you ever find out the real story of how they got involved behind your back? I did. um, Because I had to go like get into an investigator, like... Yeah. It was a big ordeal. Um, they asked me a bunch of questions. Like if I knew it was going on, I was like, obviously not. I did not know this was going on or I would have said something. Um, they asked me if I knew this guy and I was like, the guy that she got accused of raping. I was like, yes, that's my boyfriend or was my boyfriend. Not anymore. And so I was like, this has got to be ridiculously, I don't, I don't know. I was just beside myself. I couldn't wrap my brain around it. Yeah. Um, and he actually had reached out to her uh-huh. um, and he had her number, I guess. I don't really know how they ended up exchanging numbers, honestly, but anyways, what it came down to is he reached out to her mm-hmm. is how it initially happened. He was the one that started the whole 
situation. Okay. But she's also was the adult. Yes. And he's a child. Yes. So I don't, I mean, they're both responsible. It doesn't matter who started it. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it doesn't matter who started it. It's just, it happened Mm -hmm. and both people are responsible. And so she was in jail for, they actually went and arrested her at her job, which I'm assuming was super embarrassing for her. Yes. Getting walked out in handcuffs when you're a nurse practitioner out of office. I mean, um, so she was in there until July Mm -hmm. 4th, actually. She got out um, on actually July 6th. She got released on July 6th. Okay. Um, So at that time, I was staying with my aunt because she had gotten temporary custody of me because I was only 15. Yeah. And they asked me if I wanted to live with my dad. And I was like, I don't even know my dad. No, I I don't feel comfortable with that. So my aunt took it upon herself. She's like, okay, well, we'll get temporary guardianship over her since I'm a minor. Okay. So um, when she got out of jail, I knew she was getting out because she called me. Mm -hmm. And I said, she's like, where are you at? And that she couldn't be around children yeah, because of the charges. So she was like, where are you at? And I was like, um, I can't tell you that. Like she wasn't even allowed to be around me. Yeah. And so I said, I'm not allowed to tell you that. Well, why? You're my daughter. I said, the police told me I'm not supposed to. And at this time I was at my aunt's house and I asked my aunt, I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I don't know what to do. I'm so conflicted right now. And so I handed her the phone and she told her, she's like, you know, you can't be around her. You just need to go to a hotel and you need to just sit and wait and just, we'll figure this out whenever, however we can, we just got to go through the process. And she was really mad at my aunt though. She's like, that's my child. You're taking my child away from me. You have no right to do that. No accountability, huh? Just no accountability for her actions at that point. Right. And that's what my aunt said. She's like, you do realize that you're the one in trouble right now. No, yeah. None of us. And we're trying to be there for you, but you're making it really hard mm-hmm. by being this way to us because we're really trying to help you and just trying to get to the bottom of the situation. And so she stayed in the hotel, I think, for like a week, maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. And my Aunt and uncle had actually had a vacation plan to the Bahamas before all this happened. And so they are, they went to the Bahamas and I stayed with my grandma. Okay. So in the middle of the night, my mom showed up at my grandmother's house. No. Banging on the door, like a crazy person. My grandma opened it. She's like, you're not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, let me see my daughter. Let me see Hannah. Let me see Hannah. And she said, if Hannah wants to see you, then she can. But if she doesn't want to see you, you have to leave. Right. So my grandma came back to the bedroom. She woke me up. She's like, hey, your mom's here. I know it's late. If you want to see her, you can. If not, I'll make her leave. Whatever you want to do. And I was like, it's fine. Just tell her, tell her to come back here. So she went, she came back there and she, I asked her, I said, tell me what is going on. Heart to heart, honest to God. I said, I won't judge you. I, said, oh, I just Hannah, want to I just can I just stop you a minute the yeah. the empathy and compassion you have right now in this mm-hmm. situation just like as you're a child and for you to have mm-hmm. to deal with that like my heart is going out to you and that you went through this and I just have to say like that's just beautiful you had that but at the same time you didn't yeah. have to deal with this but I just I didn't mean to cut you off I just no, have to say no. that to you yeah and so so um she came in there into Mm -hmm. the back of the bedroom and I was like just 
just lay it on the table. Yeah. I just want to know. I'm a, I'm a curious person. I like to know everything, I guess. Right. But she said, it's not true. And I said, then explain, explain. They don't arrest people for no reason. Yeah. And that's what I told her. I said, they do not come to somebody's job, put them in handcuffs and take them to jail without proof of something. And she said, okay, yeah, it's true. <gasps> and <I> said, <gasps> she said, but I'm going to get out of this. And I was like, get, get out of trouble with the law. How? She said, well, what happened is they found text messages, explicit mm-hmm. pictures, videos, text messages, all that on both of their phones corresponding with each other. Right. She said, you can tell the police that it was you on my phone because y'all were dating. And I was like, no. She wanted you, you know, to lie. No. Lie. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And she's mm-hmm. like, you're a minor. You won't get in trouble. She said, you're a minor. You're not going to get in trouble. And I said, I'm not doing that. That Good is not you. right. Good said, for you. I was like, I'm not, I'm not a liar. I don't lie. I don't like liars. I said, so I'm not doing that. She's like, well, I'm going to go to jail then. I said, you do the crime, you do the time. Good. Wow. And she's like, you want your mom to go to jail? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, well, no, but I didn't want my mom to sleep with my boyfriend either. So, yeah. I mean, and she, you know, she just kept going on and on asking me to pretty much lie. And I kept saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I said, you're an adult. And you're going to handle it like an adult. Yeah. I said, I didn't do anything wrong. So therefore, I shouldn't even have to say that I did something wrong when I did it. Yeah. And so, and then she started talking crazy. Like, she's like, well, what would you do if I'm not here? If I wasn't here? And here, I thought she meant like her in jail and me here. Right. Not her, not here, like as in On gone. the planet, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was like, well, I, I don't know. I said, I guess I would live with Amanda, which is my aunt, um, and wait for you to get out of jail, I guess. I don't know. She was just asking me weird questions. Yeah. She's like, well, who are you going to live with? And but all this stuff. And I was like, why are you asking me all this stuff? And so anyways, we ended up, I said, I'm, it's late. Let's just go to bed and let's just talk about it in the morning. Yeah. So we laid down. I woke up and she was gone. Okay. I woke up in the morning yeah. and she was gone. And I went to my grandma. I said, where's mom? She's like, I don't know. Y'all were late. Y'all were in the guest bedroom last night. I said, well, she's not here. And she didn't have a car. So I don't know how, I guess she got someone to pick her up. I don't know. Yeah. Um, we were calling her, calling her, calling her, calling her, not getting any response. And my, my grandmother and my pop, my grandfather divorced. Yeah. But um, so I called my grandfather and I said, Hey, have you seen mom? He's like, Yeah, she's at my house. I was like, Okay, thank God. I was like, She like left in the middle of the night or early this morning, didn't tell anybody where she was going. So we were just making sure she was okay. He's like, Yeah, she's here. She says she wants to stay here. And I was like, Okay, well, as long as we know where she's at, that's fine. And so that was um probably the the week after she got out. Yeah. So then I went, I went to cheerleading camp in Panama city, Florida for a week. And then I came back and I was living with my aunt still. Mm-hmm. The day I came back, I came back, unpacked my stuff. I was laying, I went to sleep 
And then my uncle came mm-hmm. in there and he said, hey, I got to go to the store. It was late, like one or two o'clock in the morning. And my aunt worked third shift at a hospital, so she wasn't home. But he was telling me in case I woke up and nobody was home, I guess. Right. He's like, I'm going to go to the store. And I was like, okay, whatever. And just went back to sleep. I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I thought he was cheating on my aunt, but it wasn't. I was, I thought he was going to see somebody. I don't know. I just I was thinking crazy. So <laughs> No, that's not crazy. A lot of people <laughs> would think that. <laughs> and so um, then I got woke up again um, and it was my aunt. And I was like, oh, hey, like, why are you home from work? There's something going on. And she was crying. Yeah. And I was like, what's wrong? She's like, you need to come in the living room. And I was like, okay. And it was my aunt, my uncle, my grandma, my grandfather, my preacher from church, my youth leader, two of my best friends. And wow, they rallied around you. Mom. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. I thought she went to jail. I thought my mom went to jail again, honestly. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on? And my aunt's like, I have to tell you something. And I was like, okay, I'm getting like chill bumps. Oof. And she was like, I have to tell you something. And I was like, okay. She's like, mom's gone. And I was like, what do you mean gone? Like, where'd she go? I was like, did she go to jail again? Like, I was being, I guess, being sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, no, she's gone. Like, as in she passed away. I was like, passed uh-huh. away, like, as in she died. And they're like, yes. And then I was just like, silent. Yeah. I didn't say another word. I didn't ask how. I didn't ask when. I didn't ask where. I just was like, completely silent. And everybody's like, are you okay? And they were trying to hug me. I said, don't touch me. Don't talk to me. I don't want to talk. I don't want to be touched. I said, I really just, yes, bad. Like, I was just like, I don't want to be touched. I don't want to be talked to. They're like, what can we do? I was like, nothing. You can't do anything. So she had, um, later, the next day, we had to come to the hospital to, I guess, fill out paperwork. I didn't have to fill it out because... It was my family, really. Yeah. So she was staying with my grandfather, and she had been dead for three days before anyone found her. She put a note on the door, and it says, it said, do not disturb. And that's all it said, do not yeah. disturb. And my grandfather was like, okay, I guess she just is having a moment. She doesn't want, doesn't want to be bothered. And I was kind of mad at him. I was like, three days? Really? Someone yeah. doesn't come out of their room for three days and you don't check on them. But that, I mean, that's besides the point. Yeah. So she was obviously in rigor mortis by then. Yeah. And she had, a, they said when they found her that there was, I don't know if they said seven or eight pill bottles empty around wow. her with the labels ripped off of them. Like, but nobody knew what they were, what was in the bottles. It was just like the little orange bottles that you yeah, get yeah. from a, With the like a prescription. Yeah. yeah. So my grandfather had, you know, hadn't heard from her. So he called and the door was locked. And so he called the, um, pretty much like the men's group of church yeah. to come and pre- knock the door down because he couldn't, he couldn't open it. He couldn't pick the lock. So they knocked it down and they found it. it. He, so he's, yeah, he's the one that actually found her. Oh, that um, has to be devastating for him too. Yeah. And he's actually passed away now and they're buried next to each other. So that's, I, I like that. Um, but yeah, he was the one that found her and it really affected him really bad. Yeah. Um, really, really bad. 
it affected him. So how did it get to you though? Let's now fast forward to you. So you've had this traumatic situation where the person you Mm -hmm. love the most disappointed you and then decided to take her own life. Then when did you make that decision? What was going on with you and, and you trying the same thing? Yeah. So I had moved out, um, when I was 17, Mm -hmm. me and my aunt did not see eye to eye. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we just both were just dealing with a lot. She lost her sister. I lost grief. my mom. Yeah. And it's two different losses. It's two different relationships. So, I mean, she wasn't dealing with it. Well, I wasn't dealing with it. Well, um, I was just like sneaking out partying, just, just doing stuff I wasn't supposed to be doing. And she's like, you're not going to do that in my house. And I was like, okay, then I'll leave. So she's like, okay, if you want to be an adult, then go be an adult. And I was like, okay. So I called one of my best friends. I said, hey, I'm moving out of my house. Can I come stay with you until I can get my own place? And she's like, yeah, come on. And I was like, okay. So I, me and her actually got a place together. Mm-hmm. Um, me and her got an apartment together. It was great. We, um, She was my best friend. We're still best friends to this day. It was great. It was fun. We had so much fun. Okay. I, thought, I thought it was so fun. When, did it, when was it fun? Not fun anymore. <laughs> It was not fun anymore when she moved out unexpectedly. She's like, oh, me and my boyfriend are moving in together. We already got an apartment. Peace out. Right. In like two days. And I was like. Abandoned again. Yeah, I know. I was like, shit, now I got to pay bills when I'm used to splitting them. So I ended up having to get a second job um, to be able to pay for the bills. I had friends, I guess you could say, quotation mark friends. But it's because I was the only one that had my own apartment. And they could come drink and party and do drugs and all that great stuff that you do when you're 17 and 18 years old. So I was struggling with that. I was just struggling with money, really. And just like emotionally, like my family didn't talk to me because I just was like doing things I wasn't supposed to be doing and they didn't agree with it. Right. They probably thought you're going down the path of your mom. You know, they were scared too. And they couldn't control you or help you. And you were probably shut down because you didn't deal with all that loss. Yeah. And so, you know, my mom had passed away. My dad didn't want to have anything to do with me. My best friend moved out. And so I, I was used to do, um, like I would take Xanaxes to like chill my, they weren't prescribed. Obviously I bought them, um, yeah. not legally, right. but I it just, I, the only way I could feel not anxious, rage, mm-hmm. hurt, disappointment, and so, and I chalked it up to that. I was like, well, at least I'm not doing meth. Yeah. At least I'm not doing heroin. Yeah. I said, this is a prescription, not my prescription, but it's, it's prescription. People take this all the time. Yeah. So I didn't think anything about it. And I don't know. It was just one night I was just having, I was, it was like the whole scene. I was sitting in my bathroom floor mm-hmm. crying. I was just like, God, please. Like you've I've got to catch a break. I've got to catch a break. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I said, I can't. I said, I'm so broke down. I'm so broke down. And I said, and I have nowhere to turn. I have no one to talk to. No, my family's not talking to me. My friends are fake, I guess you could say. Yeah. I mean, I just couldn't tell them like, oh, hey, I'm suicidal. I'm having a bad day. And so I had called the guy that I would buy Xanaxes from. And I, I, had, I said, I want 20 Mm-hmm. bars mm-hmm. and he's like okay you know I'm not, I'm not gonna turn down that but I said I want 20 and I normally never got that many I only got like two or three or four 
five at max at a time. Right. And he was like 20, like, and he didn't even, he didn't even say anything. Like he didn't even ask, which I'm sure drug dealers don't care no, what you're going to do. <laughs> and so uh, I, I literally, I held him in my hand and I just like stared at him. And I said, I could take all this and I wouldn't, I would be, all this would be over with. I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be hurt. I wouldn't be struggling for money. I wouldn't be scraping by. Yeah. I said, and I did, I sat there for three hours and just stared at him. Right. And I don't know. I like, I had the water sitting there and I had him in my hand and I was just like staring at him and just thinking I could be okay. Right. And nobody would care. I was like, nobody calls me anyways. Yeah. My family hasn't called me in three, four or five months. So what, what would be the difference? And I don't know. It was just like a little voice. I don't know if it was God or, or my mom or I don't know what it was. And it said, you have so much life, more life to live mm. and it will get better. And so I took them and I was like, I'm, I'm stronger than this. I'm stronger than these pills. I'm stronger than these people who have put me down and broke me down. And I flushed down the toilet. Oh my God. I'm like totally crying. (laughs) I threw every single one of them down and I flushed down the toilet. And I said, I told myself, I said, Hannah, get off your ass, Mm -hmm. wipe your own tears and go be somebody and prove all these people wrong that all these bad things have happened to you. And they're supposed to break you down, but you're going to, you're not going to let them break you down. And I said, I'm going to get another job. I'm going to go to college. And that night I sat there and I got a notebook and I started writing out goals. Like I would do like a month goal. And then I would do like yearly goals, five-year goals, 10-year goals. And as of right now, I'm ahead of schedule on my 10-year goals. (laughs) Oh, Oh my God. I'm totally crying right now. What a beautiful moment, like at the darkest moment of your life, yeah. like you heard that voice that like saved you and you listen. And I don't even know what it was. Like, I don't, you, it just, I'm, I'm such like a, I'm a bubbly person. Like I, I know because you're saying all this, this horrible stuff and you're smiling, like just so you know, people, she like has the biggest smile on her face while she's telling this story. I know. And and I've learned that over the years, the more I talk about it, the more, the easier it is. Yeah. And you're not alone. Right. And I realized that a lot of people have felt that low. Yeah. Some people have chose to rise above that feeling. And some people have chose to not rise above that and let it consume them and take over them. Yeah. And after that, I just had this whole new outlook on life. I wanted to live life. Oh. I was like, I know that you say live life to the fullest, you know, that quote, but I really did. I was like, I want to have my heart full of so much love and happiness. It just like radiates off me like the sun. <laughs> oh my God. You guys, you're like my favorite type of people. Like the person that goes to the darkest moment and then can come back to the light yeah. are like my favorite types of people in this world. And I'm, I'm not saying that I haven't had, I've never had any more suicidal thoughts, yeah. as, but I have thought about 
what if I wouldn't have changed? What if I wouldn't have done what I did? Yeah. I'm like, look at all, look, I would have missed so much. I've met some of the most amazing people, friends, my husband, I'm married. Um, We've been together for six years and he is the most amazing person I've ever met in my entire life. That makes me so happy. And he actually, I lived in this apartment, go back and it was a really shitty apartment. And that, that also made it worse. Like it was just awful. I hated it. It was just like, ugh. And so he, um, I started dating him and he came over to my house and he was like, not judging, I guess my house or, and he knew like what had happened to me, yeah. um, about my mom and stuff. And he told me, you know, back then he's like, I didn't want to say anything. He's like, but I just, I wanted to like, I wanted to save you, but he didn't know that I had already Been saved myself. Low. Yeah. But you saved yourself. You didn't need a man to save you. That is like the best part of this story. Like you became whole and attracted a whole person. Oh my God. I just, I love you. (laughs) My mom was real dependent on other people. And I always told myself, I'm not going to depend on another person for my happiness. Yeah. Or my positivity or my good vibes. Like I want to have them myself. You have to, because you can't yeah. have anybody else take them away from you. Literally, we could talk for hours. We're literally almost an hour. Like you are oh. the most amazing person, <laughs> seriously. And I have to ask you one more question. I know we're so over, but what would you tell somebody right now that's listening that is having those dark thoughts, those moments, been through trauma like you have? What would you tell them right now like to help them get out of that place? to be strong, strong-minded, mind over matter, and to really dig deep into your heart and really think. And you want to, I would tell them to live for themselves. Don't, don't live for someone else. Don't just not take that handful of pills because some person take, don't take them mm-hmm. or don't do whatever because you want to live. You want to be a better person. You want to be a good person and you have can really do anything you want to do with a strong mind, strong mind. I think I think have a strong mind would be what I would tell someone be strong minded. And I always think this too shall pass. Like, yes. it is all the trauma you went through that doesn't define you as a person. It actually made you a deeper, stronger, capable human being yeah. to then give love and radiate love to the world. I am, I'm re- not, I guess, religious, but I do believe in God. And a quote or a quote, Bible quote is the pain you feel today is nothing compared to the joy that's coming. And I live by that. I live oh. by that. I would, when I would get, when I get like that in my head, I say that verse over and over and over again. I'm like, the pain you feel today is nothing compared to the joy that's coming. It might not come tomorrow or the next day or the next day, but it will come. Oh, I love you, Hannah. Thank you so much for reaching out and coming on and sharing your journey. I'm just beyond grateful. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to share my story and just let other people know that it do, it does get better. It does. And like I said, it might not be today or tomorrow or two months from now, but it will get better. Yeah. So hang in there, hang in there, people. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. Yeah. And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. 
Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you'd like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon.